0: Good afternoon everyone. This is Office Hours, Chicago edition. I'm sitting here in midday. That's the big city, the windy city behind me. I'm speaking at a White Sox game tonight. Speaking of our baseball uh, fan here, another Giants fan in the house, uh, Brian Elliott has joined us. He's the Slack Senior Vice President. And if you're not familiar with Slack, uh, you absolutely uh, should be. But more importantly, uh, is an author of how the future works. And Brian, this is so exciting to me because I have been studying time <laughs> uh, yep. and the relativity to every single thing uh, that I teach, the time and how it reconciles with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, how it reconciles with effective communication. And one of the things that I've recently uh, learned an Epiphany for me was because of not understanding how the future works, I started to realize that i need to focus more on today yeah. and not just because it's the present but because it's the only place where man-made constructive time applies we actually can utilize man-made time to our benefit in the present or the day but when we look in the past everyone's time is relative so even though that i may be older than both of you guys my past may be shorter uh in the actual relative time and then Especially the future, because when we know the future is all relative and we talk about how does relativity work or how does the future work, and when a, a, you know looking at things like leadership and commitment, outcomes, emotional attachment to outcomes, I was so excited about not only the futureforum.com but your book, How the Future Works. For me, obviously, studying time has brought that big question up to me. What brought the big question up to you? Uh, what were you paying attention to that made you you know, write a book about how future works?
1: Yeah, so I've, I've spent 30 years leading teams, everything from startups that I was uh, running myself to Google to Slack and now run uh, Future Forum, which is this think tank where we do research around it. And you always know and understand that um, people are your most important asset in a company, right? Can you get talented people? Can you get them aligned around the purpose of your organization? Can you retain them? Can you get them excited about it? Can you, but then importantly, how do you unlock that potential? And time has so much to do with it. You know, so much of this future of work conversation these days is centered on how many days a week people need to be in the office or not. What our research found was that schedule flexibility is actually even more important to people and it unlocks a lot of things. Um, so, you know, we've back, you wrote a great post back at the beginning of the pandemic in March, 2020. I don't know if you remember it with what guidance for folks, but, um, What we all saw was this shift from offices into people's homes. And we all did this transition where we just shoved more meetings and more meetings and more meetings on top of calendars. And people started burning out. You know, you can see it, whether you call it Zoom fatigue or whatever else. What happens too often is we assume that nine to five is always available. We're going to shove it full of meetings or we're going to turn your calendar into this game of Tetris where you're trying to find a block of time, an hour, just to get some focused work done. And the reality is what happens is that deep work gets shoved into maybe the early morning, if you're a morning person, or maybe at night after the kids are gone to bed. But you know, the odds that you're really fresh at that point are really low. 94% of people tell us they want schedule flexibility. And if they don't have it, the burnout that occurs, the challenges that come up for them, it, you know, it just, it's destructive to team morale. It's destructive to them sticking around and to the goals that you've got as an organization. And so we wrote the book to try to bring together not just the research, but a lot of stories from not only Slack, but other companies like Genentech and Royal Bank of Canada and Levi's, like companies that have been grappling with this that aren't just tech companies about how do you make this work. How do you make it better for people, not just better for organizations?
2: So here's a question, Brian. Um, There's a great saying, you know, you got to get the right people on the bus. And you talk about flexible teamwork. Two questions. How do you find the right people? Now it's hard to get good people to get on the bus for you. And then when you find them, how do you build that flexible teamwork with the way you work?
1: So I think a lot of it in terms of finding them is thinking about it in a couple of different ways. One is... Understanding what the purpose is of your organization, being able to really clearly articulate that is more important than it ever has been before, because then you're looking for people that are going to gravitate towards your mission. And your mission doesn't just mean like the highfalutin, like we're here to make work more pleasant, more productive and simpler for people at Slack. It's, you know, our IT team, as an example, wants to be world class in the service to our customers. And that's our purpose and our mission in life. And if that excites you, then I can actually bring you in how and where you find them, the calculus on that just changed dramatically over the course of the pandemic, because all of a sudden companies figured out like Slack did, you know, we always had a hard time hiring engineers into Chicago, into San Francisco and into New York, right? Because it's just hard. The the talent is really, you know, competitive, but it's also really hard to get people to pack up and move. We would turn people down all the time that were in Atlanta, Georgia, or Portland, Oregon, or Boise, Idaho. And we were about two months into it. And By the way, Slack itself was like 3% remote pre-pandemic when our chief technology officer went, wait a minute. So I'm seeing the productivity stuff is actually working pretty well. We're figuring out how how to plan. What we're actually looking at now is I've got this much wider aperture of people that I can tap into if I allow myself to recruit them from a broader set of geographies. And I can get a lot more diverse talent. Because it's hard to get, you know, 60% of Black office workers, knowledge workers in the U.S. or in the Southeast. Getting them to move to San Francisco and to Portland, Oregon is a challenge. If you can build a sort of a level playing field for them to participate in your organization broadly. So that's the second part of your question, Mike, which is how do you make this work? And it really does require a mindset shift more than a bunch of activities, which is I'm going to find a way to make sure that all of those people have access to the information the tools that they need. But I'm also going to figure out like, what's my team's agreement about how we work? How do I figure out how I don't take that East Coast team and have them doing meetings up until seven o'clock, eight o'clock Eastern time, because I'm based in California. So you got to put guardrails around this stuff. So one easy example, my team does core collaboration hours, 9am until 1pm on the West Coast is when all of our meetings happen, our one on ones and all the rest of it. That way, the folks in D.C. and in New York and in North Carolina aren't sitting there at six o'clock at night going, am I going to take this meeting while I'm making dinner for the family? It's just you've got to find a way to put some guardrails in place.
0: And that's so true. The interesting thing and, you know, as you've written, I read, I think it was in the Harvard Harvard Business Journal or whatever about diluting middle management and through reading your stuff it came to me once again, the most prevalent ignored factor of productivity, which is engagement. Yeah. And, you know, understanding that most people are so they're not engaged, you know, our productivity levels would double if we could get people to a 20% engagement level, forget about developing skills, forget about all the other things that we're focused in on and, you know, flexibility of schedule is obviously a way to get people more engaged. And I know so many people during the pandemic, especially younger people that were stuck on the West Coast, uh, you know, at the, the, you know, in on the East Coast at these weird hours. Right. They, they felt so, un, uh, you know, un, underserved because they were up at 4 a.m. for the East Coast executives. And then, you know, till 7 p.m. on <laughs> the other side. Um, oh, yeah. how, how, how do we get. Just the middle management more engaged by not letting them do it. But how do we get everybody more engaged?
1: Yeah. So I I think there's a big role that leadership has to play in this, which is around uh, transparency and asking for help. Like I got trained early on in my career, you know, seldom wrong, never in doubt uh, as a management consultant. And it took me a decade plus to burn that out of my system. Right. And I had to get smacked around sideways on that. Because if you're if senior leadership is basically passing down the mandate or passing down the policy, you know, we hire smart people. We hire the smart people for a reason because we want them to use their brains. If instead you sit there and say, I don't have all the answers, but here's the problem we're trying to solve. That's where you unlock engagement with people. And that's that's a skill we have to teach middle managers also. We need to make it okay for them to say, I don't have all the solutions. We I mean, need to make it okay. It's safe for them to say, "Hey, let's work on this as a team." What ideas do other people have? That that psychological safety, which is kind of a you know large scale word that gets passed around, is actually a real thing. It's, but at the end of the day, it's just about leadership sitting there saying, "I don't have all the answers," and being willing to really let their team bring some ideas forward.
0: And yeah, not, not to hold you off, Mike, real quick. But one of the other things I thought fascinating was it's actually easier. Uh, to mentor and coach in these remote settings, because, you know, when we were alive, it's so difficult to sit there and listen to a phone call or jump on a zoom. And one of the things that I think has accelerated our business is this interaction of mentees and mentors that it's like, here, let me hop on that and and just listen in. So I I may be doing my emails, but I'm listening into a younger manager or executive and understanding you know, how they're thinking, what they're doing, and give them some subtleties of success from the 35 years of dummy tax and radical humility that I've gained uh, in in my genius. Uh, So, you know, do you see, though, because I just don't see a lot of executives taking advantage of that. They actually make an excuse and say, well, I really don't have an idea of what they're doing. Well, it's so easy (laughs) because most of what they're doing is digital.
1: Yeah, a lot of people well, see the problem is a lot of us uh, fall back on several decades worth of experience of being office based and just sort of. I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine who was talking about, you know, I miss the office because I, I'm i an open door guy and people can walk into my office anytime and share with me. And you're laughing because you know exactly where this is going. I said, So, <laughs> did all the people walk in your office kind of look like you? Were they the younger guys in the organization? He goes, Yeah. I said, did, How often did the women walk in? He goes, Not much. I'm like, all right. What if you did this with a little bit more intention around it? What if instead you designed a once a month, you're gonna do a skip level uh, conversation with everybody on your team. And all you have to do is get your exec admin to schedule a skip level with everybody on your team once a month and you can do it on a video call. And by the way, you'll touch everybody then. And what you'll know then is a lot more than you knew based on who happened to walk into your office because they wanted to bend your ear on something. That kind of intentional thinking about this stuff goes a long way. It's the same thing. You mentioned mentorship. So many companies, you know, had to rethink what's it mean to onboard new employees during the course of the pandemic. And some of my favorite stories there from people that sat there and said, hey, look, instead of just landing somebody in an open office floor plan near a group of people and hope they find somebody, we're not only going to give them a manager, we're going to give them a mentor. We're going to give them somebody else who's more senior that's not on their team, that knows the ropes inside the organization. And that can help them, you know, make their way along. And that means you got a lot more level playing field, regardless of someone's skin color, their ethnicity, uh, their sexual orientation, you name it. Everyone's going to at least get that same level of opportunity. It's a big deal.
2: That's awesome. Brian, how do you how do you find the balance when you're coaching someone to because some people think, well, I'm being flexible, but they're not being flexible. They're actually being like slack and lazy. So how do you coach people so they don't use that? Well, I'm being flexible. I'm giving the guy whatever they want. You know what I mean? Not for yeah. You're like, yeah, that's not flexibility, dude. The guy's not no. showing up and doing what's required. Yeah. So you, you, you know what i How do you do this, that?
1: There, there's this, um, uh, we got, this is one of the big things that managers have to get trained in how to do, which is what's the outcome you're trying to drive? What are the outcomes that you're trying to drive on the team? And every single week you're having your one-on-ones with the people in your organization. And you're talking about, Hey, last week, you know, A, are we aligned on priorities? Do we know what the most important things are? B, what are the outcomes that we're looking for? How did it go over the last week? Are we making progress or things moving along? And that way you're not talking about, you can then deal with the personnel issues that do come up. I mean, it's been kind of a horrible two years on a bunch of different dimensions. Those are understandable because someone's family member gets sick, but if you're doing that every week and you're making it a routine, you're making it easier to then track whether the outcomes are happening or not. You're also making it easier for the person to say no, because sometimes they're at tilt, right? They're at overload. But if you wait until a performance review cycle to figure that out, oh, man, it's way too late. It's th- that that ship has sailed.
0: Yeah, you are not looking forward to the future at the futureforum.com with Brian Elliott. His book is on Amazon and I always look for quantitative value and the ability uh, that I have to articulate a quantitative value, especially in reading a book. If you just increase the engagement of you and your employees, 1%, I promise you, you can donate 100 books to your favorite school uh, just from that 1%. And I promise you, if you read this book how the future works, engagement will go up. Forget about all the other leadership principles, commitments, outcomes, emotional attachments, to outcomes, the measures and productivity, accessibility and gratitude, by the way, those all lead to what I believe to be the greatest value of a leader, which is to get people engaged in business, including engaging the leader in a business and in their people, the most important asset that we have. Brian Elliott has always been leading the way in this place. Uh, space as an executive leader of the future forum and now his new book check it out that he co-authored called how the future works just go to amazon pick it up thanks brian we'll have you back again great insight on i've already got my value out of it so my employees are in trouble thanks
1: <laughs> go for it thanks y'all appreciate right, thank
0: you. <laughs> it thank you bye ryan It's awesome brian elliott the man all right you know everything seems the theme itself around here but patrick bryant is in the wings here, playing around with StreamYard. He is the CEO of Code and Trust, codeandtrust.com. And we're gonna talk about all the different amazing things going on uh, with Code and Trust. Um, And I know we'll have him back because his internet is coding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was gonna say trust and vet. Uh, (laughs) There he goes, he's back again. Bring him in, uh, Matty, Matt. I think, I think awesome. Matt found out that he's a Padres fan, Patrick Bryan, so he cut him off. Can, can you get him in here? Matt
2: is not a good person.
0: No, he has his M hat on, though. He got free hat in and in a Dodger shirt that he bought on free. sale at Marshall's, you know, that really red tag, the $5 shirt. Um, <laughs> I don't know why he wouldn't here add he him I'm adding, I'm adding Patrick in myself. Who needs producers <laughs> when you can produce these shows? Patrick, welcome. Uh, two office hours. Is the volume working for you? Oh, probably not. All right, he's Matt. Back
2: out. Yeah,
0: he's gonna call. Him. All right, so he, let's talk for a minute he's about your the podcast. Force. He's using the force. So you have a, you have a new podcast called
1: A Dose, a Dose of, positivity. of Positivity. I and, interviewed and you, on it.
0: Ryan Elliot yeah. told you you need to ask for help. That the biggest mistake people do. And so here I am on Instagram with one of my best friends in the world. And I'm like, what the heck? This guy has a podcast and he's not even promoting it on office hours. He's not even, I got to help him out. So let's discuss the podcast. Tell me what's going on with the dose of positive. All right.
2: So first of all, I have to say thank you for two reasons. Thank you for collaborating with me two years ago. Right. Secondly, thank you for, writing this incredible forward to my book that just got picked up by Random House, which are incredible. So a dose of positivity is a dose of education, motivation, and inspiration. So every week I bring on a different guest, like I interviewed you, that'll bring that to the audience. And I keep it very simple. Um, I try to stay awake. like everyone that's an addict wants to come on. I'm like, no, 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 no it's not about that. If, there's a, if it's a story that relates to inspiration, motivation, education, great but I'd like to keep it really wide. Like I've discovered a few people. I found a girl that had lost 300 pounds on IG. I'm like, what a great story. So I haven't pressed you yet because I wanted to get the final edit in. I've edited, edited the first 25 episodes and Whoa. now, yeah, I did 25 episodes. So now yeah. I can start putting them up and now call you and say, Hey Dave, you know, you know, everyone, first of all, the playbook, a thousand episodes, uh, I've mean? There you go. See, I'm 200 behind now. I can actually now I've got a rhythm and I know, you know, kind of got the editing down and I can come to you and go, OK, we're going to launch in June. And now I, if you've got some great guests that you think I'd be perfect to interview, I'm, you know, obviously I know mean, yeah. you'll help me out.
0: So I want everyone to listen because this is one of my best friends. And obviously uh, he got me involved um, in this show, which is an Apple TV show, which we're having our launch party on June 8th um, and hopefully Mikey D and his wife. I'll be there.
2: I already rang Matt. I asked Matt when it was. Yep.
0: Okay. Good. And you know, but we met each other on, on a, a podcast years and years, those two and a half years ago or so. And you're like, Hey, let's do more together. So when COVID pretty much hit, I said, all right, let's do a show to help people. And, you know, to see your book deal with random house, to see your brand grow but the interesting thing is that I find that as success happens, people are afraid to ask for help. Um, and I know they give me the, well, I was waiting for this. My message to everyone and lesson or takeaway from this is don't wait. You know, uh, it, it's so funny because I know I just was on with uh, Ed Milette and he's doing the Max Out uh, event with Jim Quick and and Dean and uh, he he's like, well, uh, I was... I wanted to ask you, but I was, you know, I didn't want to, you got so much going on. I don't want to bother you. Right. I mean, on my side, I'm like, wait, why is he leaving me out? I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> like you know, like, and, and when I see your podcast, I'm like, why, why is Mike like, he leaving, why is he leaving me out? Me? And I want everyone to know that because it as you get there and you don't ask for help, because you don't want to bother people or you want to wait till it's perfect or whatever, that person, you know, even if you think that you're doing them a favor most likely they're going to say, why is he leaving me out? So at at least ask them when would be a good time for me to ask for your help. Here's where I'm at. uh, Because they're probably going to tell you right now is a good time because I can help you with this, 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 and this. I can get you a discount on this. I led to bring in, you know, five really interesting guests that, you know, may not be big enough yet to be on the playbook, but would be extraordinary stories. You know, I Uh, you know this person you know went to go kill themselves and the cartridge fell out of the gun or whatever that is all the great exposure so i want to use this time as a message to everyone i know i keep saying it ask for help no matter who you are especially my friends out there mike diamond ed my jim quick you guys you got to ask me for help because i'm sitting here on the other side going why don't they ask me for help what what did i do what what what, why am i left out i want to be one of the guys to help Anyway, you know, I well, think I, he
2: nailed something pretty brilliant there because I think I because you are so busy and I respect your time because we're both time management guys. Yeah. I thought I'll come around and ask, but then in your head, you're like, you just made me realize something like, why didn't he already ask me? And yeah. sometimes we don't realize we're offending people unconsciously because we're not saying to them, hey, like you said, what did you do wrong when Ed was too? You would edit at that level. I'll give you
0: another I'll give you the personal <laughs> example, right? My, my mom. Uh, you know, is my brother's going out of town, and my my brother takes care of my mom, and you know my sister doesn't have room, and like there's this whole big you know what what did my wife call it? I forget. It was the uh, Meltzer Gate. Yes, she called it Meltzer Gate. Right, all this internal strife of Jewish guilt called Meltzer Gate. Like you know, no no one's thinking. And meanwhile, I, I'm like, how come no one's like? There's all these you know text wow, things going okay. back and forth between my siblings, and I was like. Hey, n- nobody asked me, right? I'll buy her a hotel room. I'll buy, you know, I'll, I'll have her stay at my house. I, You know, I'm not in LA, but where she needs to be. But I'm like, no one even reached out. And I'm literally thinking like you were. And, and I catch myself when I have a need to be offended, which is one of the innate ego needs that I have. I very easily have this need to be offended. But I literally ine- immediately had a need to be offended when they didn't ask me to help my mom, right? <laughs> and and you, know what they, you know what they said to me? yeah, but you're so busy and you do so much for mom already, right? It's like, yeah, but that's because I love doing for my mom. Don't leave me out. And I love doing things (laughs) for Mike Diamond. Don't leave me out. And Ed Mylan and Jim Quick and all my boys and girls out there, uh, you know, don't leave me out. And so I got better at asking too. I I told Ed, I said, fine, I'm just going to ask you to help you. You know, I'm going to take it to the next level. I'm going to ask Mike Diamond, hey, what can I do to help you? (laughs) Now I'm going to be like,
2: Dave. I need guests. <laughs>
0: exactly. I'm going to help you get guests. And uh, as long as Matt's not producing the show for you, you'll be fine. Because, uh, you know, we get the guests here. We just can't get them out of the green room. It's because he spent his $6 on his Dodger shirt. And uh, <laughs> I <laughs> love so it. Good. We
2: can't get him out of the green room. They come. <laughs> they just stuck in the green Dave
0: room. It's the best guests. Into the, in green, the room green room. That <laughs> <ever seen. laughs> they guys never like get out of behind. the, game. <laughs> we about the green We could have brought Brian Elliott back on and sold more books for him. Uh, oh my future. god. So <laughs> this
2: guy just vanished. And, and the good thing is out with uh, Teresa, Dr. Teresa is talking about quantum, because this guy's in the quantum somewhere. He just he's in disappear. the future, yeah. It's what he's Brian Elliott is
0: talking about. He's working in the future, but unfortunately, we're here in the present. Uh, with <laughs> life <light> fuel and <laughs> get it in oh dust. that's
2: what i do when i see you on uh the eighth i'll bring you a case so you got some oh, stuff nice down. yeah
0: i'm on it every nice. day I, I love the I know, D- yeah. diamond life fuel. Yeah. It's so, it's so fueled good. out of your mind unfortunately it keeps me healthy but it doesn't help you you, you still <laughs> have your crush. i still oh, drink we-
2: it it just it's okay
0: i was just saying did you reach out to viome by the way and the, Naveen? i did
2: but you want me to tell you this crazy thing and yeah. this is a and you could do this so I got um, ozone therapy. Do you have you familiar yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah, They did uh, a, in a total of twenty pints. So they did seven pints the first day, right? Which is nearly uh, t- ten pints in your body. Then yeah. I did five, five, and five, and they reoxidinated my blood, which helped every The shingles go down within a couple of days. It was it's like an oil change for your body. I felt incredible.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. You look so much better by the way. And I know. Yeah. Day- remember
2: that when I was hitting the first day two weeks ago, I was looking like Christian Bale in the machinist. I was like, <laughs> man, I can't get, I can't get on the podcast. I'm just like, not looking good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bad. So, you're, you're, oh you're uh, because if, for those that don't know, Mike diamonds, one of the world's leading addiction specialists. And, uh, when he got sick a couple weeks ago, I can imagine people like, oh no, Mike fell off the wagon.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the worst thing is, I I don't take any pain meds, and the doctor wanted to give me pain meds, but I'm like, I've just got to, I'll suffer through this. And like in my brain, I was like, I know why people take pain meds. This is horrible, but I'm not going to. But like, God, this really does. I understand now when I'm dealing with addicts or dealing with, I was working with that guy in DC for four months who was in chronic pain, nerve pain. I knew now I was like, Oh, I get this, this nerve pain is this, this tries you, you, you want to use.
0: I, and you know, as you know, the opiate, uh, issue, you know, a lot of people that start are, are just have back injuries. I mean, I, as I get older, um, and my friends who are, you know, to the point of killing themselves or overdosing, meaning intentionally committing suicide or overdosing, it all started not with marijuana as the gateway drug. It started with a back injury. Some of them in sports, and they were prescribed the wrong drugs. That then they couldn't get anymore, and then it led them to different drugs on the street. That now you have to bring Mike Diamond in to, to save lives. Um, and unless they want to save their own lives, because it gets very difficult when a brain is not thinking correctly to want to save itself because it's working against you telling you why would you want to save yourself or worse, you know, other messaging. Um, you know, I, I, it's amazing. I, I, I really, I mean, with the tragedies that are occurring uh, in this, you know, the fentanyl tra- tragedies, the, the shooting tragedies, all of these. And I just think yeah. about people with good intentions, people that are honest, good people that are just mistreated. In effect, they're just mistreated and they end up, in the aggregate cycle, with complete ignorance and trust, and they end up in, and you, and you have to clean up the mess. Um, for you, I know we're waiting for our next guest. Sure. What do you think, per se? You do with so many addicts. What, what, you know, what percentage today? I know when we were younger, it was probably a higher percentage. Of people, you know, they knew they were getting themselves into bad stuff, right? And it was addictive, and and then they got addicted to it. But it seems like today, a lot of people that OD or commit suicide, they don't get into it with bad intentions, right? It's this evolution. <laughs> yeah. What percentage are you looking at today with addicts that you know kind of got unlucky, let's just say?
2: I would say now because of the internet and because everything's desensitized, you know, there's too, too much access. When we were kids, there wasn't access. It's not like right. you, you go on the dark web now and get heroin to your house, delivery. I'm saying 70% of people are uh, like just thinking i can experiment like the problem is nowadays this is the biggest problem most stuff you get is laced so right. kids are getting xanax with fentanyl in it it's killing it yeah. so right. there, it wasn't like that we didn't get cocaine with fentanyl you no. get cocaine it might have been baby laxative and you spent all night in the toilet right it, I'm not, like, I'm not
0: commenting on that.
2: You no, know, but it's like, this is so good.
0: Ruin your mom. I'm not commenting. You know,
2: exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But now these kids, I tell kids this bad, it's so bad now. Do not, if someone gives you a gummy bear, don't take it. Like you yeah. can't, kids can't take gummy bears from other kids. And another thing as well is the, the, the quality of like, So for example, we didn't really wax when we were kids. There was hash and there was pot. The intensity of the drugs now that people don't really, you're not an experienced user, you don't go and wax. Wax is no joke. That's like smoking crack from Coke. Mm -hmm. And so it's like these kids don't really understand that they're jumping straight into the deep end and swimming with sharks with substances that are, are going to really affect your brain because your brain hasn't developed it's you know 25 26 before your prefrontal cortex develops you're messing yeah. with hard stuff so it, the the rate is like 70 or 80 percent of people are just coming up short i'm i'm completely unlucky
0: completely, completely unlucky. I, I, I agree that you know it's interesting because my grandfather who was a jazz pianist he, uh, played the piano for Benny Goodman, the big band airs. I mean, he's a wow. real piano. Yeah. And he, uh, when I went to college, his advice to me, he's super hip, right? He would even like, he talked like Snoopy Joe Cool, you know, hey, man, right on, man. And <laughs> <This, like, laughs> he wore one of those cool hats, you know. That's so he's, awesome. He's awesome. Anyway, so I'm going to college and he said, Dave, uh, I just want to give you some advice. I said, what's that? He said, I think you're better off smoking marijuana than drinking alcohol. And it would be wow. a lot better for you. And I said, oh, I said, my problem is I've tried it and I get tired and hungry and, you know, I'm an upper type of guy. So, you know, it's not really going to help me, but I can see that. And meanwhile, the pot that he was smoking way back in, you know, literally the late 20s, early 30s was like closed cigarettes today. <laughs> if that. Wow. If that. Right. I mean, that's how weak it was oh like, yeah yeah
2: yeah right yeah, three percent like exactly yeah, the, yeah. Po- the potency
0: of marijuana in in the old days was nothing and you know now uh oh. you know i remember when there was medicinal marijuana where you got a prescription yeah. from the doctor the the potency of that even was Not you bad. know i saw my stoner friends from san diego and for those people that don't know what a stoner is it's the kids that skateboarded and smoked pot i used to call um uh tony hawk her. Because uh, I grew up in San Diego at this exact same age as him, because he skateboarded all around, right? <laughs> like what? But like that medicinal stuff yep, yep. knocked my friends off their butt. You know, they'd be a party and they're sitting outside breathing heavy. I it "What's the matter?" Like, oh my god, this stuff is is not like Cheech and Chong stuff anymore. You know, <laughs> it's not up in smoke. It's the yeah, real deal. Now you're. I, I think it's important too. Um, in it, it's important. Everything is laced, and I tell my girls yep. this because I have an eighteen. So the people that are dying, the mixture is wrong. But because people say, "Why do they put it in there?" Well, of course it's money. They they put it in there to make more money. It's that easy. But if you don't know to what degree it's in there, one bad batch kills you. It's it's not like it, it, there's nothing else like it in the world. Like even heroin, you know, like one bad pill, one bad pill will absolutely. And, and I never thought that I'd be in a place where I'd tell you that my friends, many of them have lost their children, 18 year olds. You know, it just just brought up one night, one yeah, night at a party. You know, good kids in college experimenting or had a girl over and like, hey, try this. You know, this will be fun. That's not fun. And, and you know, it, it's not fun. I know Steve Kerr last night, you know, made a, a plea on, you know, weapons and what had happened in Texas. And, you know, he, at the NBA Finals, used his forum uh, to raise awareness to keeping our children safe in elementary schools and our teachers safe in elementary schools. There has to be, uh, you know, I know Charles Barkley talked about this as well. You know, it, in essence, we, we lost our guest about a code. Look, there were some things that even the irrational evil mind wouldn't do, yeah. that were off limits. And we're crossing that line uh, of of pure evil. And there's no negotiating with that, but we need to do something to reduce the statistics uh, for that. But more importantly, this fentanyl issue, this acceptance issue, you know, look, I'm okay if everybody knows it, but when you're 17 years old and nobody's told you again and again and showed you, look, everything has something bad in it that if it's done wrong, it could kill you. Do you wanna take this chance? And this is how I speak to my girls. Look, you do what you wanna do. Right? My job is to tell you what it's gonna to do to you. And then you decide if that's the aggregate effect you want in your life. Is it worth one night, one bad choice to not live till you're 120 years old? Because most of the kids that are 17, the average life will be 120. Is it, Are you gonna ruin that journey? Because there's a lot of fun shit that you get to do as you get older. It's your choice. And-
2: and you know what? When you look at Fed Ryan, right? dis-
0: Discount final Matt guess. wants to come in. Let's see what he has to say. What's up, discount? We're we're all good to go to takeaways. Nick will explain to you what happened with the final guest when he gets a well, chance. Why don't you say hi to everyone? It, wait, Look, you know what I you... call his dresser? You know what I call his dresser? It, this is called oh, yeah, the crowd of losers right up here. I, well, well, I've well. got
1: Sean Green up
0: there, one of your favorite Jewish athletes. <laughs> it's he bought all those on sale Jewish too. Athlete. All those bobbleheads were free or on sale. those That's I'm 20 sure years worth of games. I'm turning all Sit red. Back. You're embarrassing me. <laughs>
2: So Matt, when you get fired, do you can you get people out of the green room for me on a podcast or not? Are they going to stuck in the green room? It's still to be
0: determined. Hey Mike, Mike, you got here's a, another business rule uh, on our show, a, a business rule for David Meltzer. David Meltzer never fires anyone. I just stopped hey, paying you. I still, <laughs> I've got the the ropes right here. I, <laughs> now you become a volunteer.
2: You become a volunteer.
0: If you still want to show up. I'm more than happy for you to come in, but on Fridays you're not going to paycheck
2: You know, actually, I don't know what someone actually told me. There was was that on oh, no, the movie Office Space when the guy in the basement. It's like we yeah. haven't paid him for years. He keeps showing up. He's like, okay, just let him
0: sit in the basement like George Costanza <laughs> for the Yankees. He kept coming to work. I'll keep showing up.
2: Oh will keep showing but up. You're showing Matt, up from your bedroom, which is even funnier. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so good.
0: Matt, Matt, he, he literally, he hits a triple and he thinks he hits a home run. So he leaves him in the green room.
2: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> we we had 10 difficulties
0: with, with Patrick. Just like, the, do, just just like the Dodgers, hitting triples, thinking they're home runs. Oh, my gosh. That's, Unbelievable. This sleeve right here says home run on it right there. You're the best, oh. Matt. you the Goodbye, best. Goodbye, Matt. Nice knowing you. You're anyway. All right. Take you know, away from the one. Day. Take okay. away.
2: well, the one thing I was going to say about the fentanyl, and I tell kids this, is like Prince was the biggest, one of the biggest musicians in the world, and he was in chronic pain, and he was prescribed fentanyl and died. Prescribed it. So yeah. if he's getting the best of the best, and Tom Petty as well, Tom Petty. So I always say to kids this, and I was I, the phone has been off the hook for me because it's finals coming up, and kids are just like relapsing. So I haven't stopped. Wait right, with parents. Call me. All I tell them is this, I don't care, I've done it all. I've done every drug, I've done it with rock stars. And no, I am like the the A-list of messing up with drugs and alcohol. No one's got my story and I've watched people die. I'm about like this, but I'll give you this, 21. How about this? How about you don't do it, make an adult choice till you're 21 and then come back to me at 21 and tell me if you regret it or not when you watch your friends go before their time. That's what I always tell them. And I scare them because they're like, I'll go make an adult choice at 21. But right now, if you're living with your parents and they're paying for everything, they're putting you through college and that you want to live like an adult, go live like an adult. Right. But, but respect the people that are trying to take care of you and help you because at 21, when you make that decision, make that decision, but don't make it at 15, don't make it at 16 because you're swimming in some deep water. You know what I'm saying? My takeaway today is really simple. Always ask for help. Always (laughs) Always <laughs> ask for help. It was the best today. It really went. It's such a great episode, but it's true. I was like, "Oh, he's busy. I won't ask him yet." But I should have like, Like, like the forward, you got it to me in a day or two days. Like, thank you. So I'm always going to ask you for help, and that's my takeaway from today.
0: I love that takeaway. Obviously, my takeaway for the day is raise awareness. Um, I, I don't care what what it is. You know, if you have experience and are passionate about something. If you've learned a lesson from pain, setbacks, failures and mistakes in your life, if you've learned a lesson, then feel free to raise the awareness of that lesson. You don't have to put judgments or conditions. You don't have to politicize it or religiousize it or philosophize it or emotionally spiritualize it. Just simply raise the awareness for everyone, for the lessons that you've learned so that people can make that adult decision and say, well at least I knew the lesson right I, I, I knew the lesson because you know a lot of the people that uh, are um, are penalized, no one's raising the awareness uh, because of they're afraid to politicize it or religiousize it or philosophize it or spiritualize it. I'm not I'm raising awareness to help people make money, help people and have funds and I'm telling you as Mike is, you know we've made some really bad decisions. Um, but we've learned some lessons and if we can share and raise the awareness of the lessons you know that we've learned about drugs and alcohol and guns and you know even sex whatever it is we're talking about we can raise the awareness at least you knew the lesson i don't feel bad or i don't judge an adult who has heard the lesson and decided okay i'll take the risk you know this is my life you know, you know, when I jump out of a plane, it's pretty, you got to go through a full training. They teach you the lens of this could happen. You, you know, there's no, there's no surprise, you know, that there's a chance that the parachute may not open. There, there's no surprise to that person. Just like when you lose your $2 in the lottery, there's no surprise that there was a billion in one chance that you're going to win. There's no surprise there was a risk you're going to lose. But I have a problem right now is that too many people are hiding and they're not raising awareness to illustrate your parachute may not open. You may lose your two bucks, Um, but you're an adult. Make that choice for yourself according to your timing and risk tolerance. So I'm here. My takeaway is to raise awareness to whatever lessons you've learned so that people can make the decision whether they want to pay their own dummy tax with their own timing and risk tolerance. Man, you got to check out a dose of. Uh, positivity with Mike Diamond. Diamond Life Fuel keeps me going every day. I'm here in Chicago and although things don't work out as we planned, I still think it'll be one of my favorite episodes. (laughs) So it's good to have the healthy Mike Diamond back. Thank you so much for joining me.
2: Love you, mate. Have a great stay in Chicago.
0: I'm going to talk to the White Sox today. I'm excited. And then down to the Indy 500. So come meet me. Thanks, man.
2: Amazing. Bye, brother.
0: Bye-bye all right everyone from chicago we do it every week we're here and it is no surprise office hours afternoon edition from chicago we're going to be today doing a meetup here in chicago right behind me we're going to go speak to the white Sox, and then we'll go drive down to the black diamond club indie 500 mastermind who puts on some of the greatest masterminds remember most importantly everyone be more interested than interesting Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Love you.